0: Hi everyone, this is Mark Bosnich, and you're listening to the Premier League Nightclub Part 2.
1: Hello everybody, and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub podcast. My name is Damon, and as usual, I have Woody. And for the second episode in a row for our special part two, Bozo is back in the house. Bozza, how are you?
0: Good, thanks, Damien. Good, thanks, Nick. How are you both? I, uh, happy four years. Your restrictions have <laughs> been lifted a little bit, so I was thinking about you over the weekend. So, well done.
2: Yeah, thank you, Bozza. Uh, no, we're very excited. We've got, we got uh, obviously, restrictions ease. So, Damien and I have already teed up a date to see each other over the weekend, which is very, very exciting. it would probably be the first time in probably seven months, Damo, uh, when yeah. you think about it. Uh, but, Buzz, we'll get straight stuck into it because we were very keen to get into uh, the questions. But did you catch the Premier League action over the weekend? And if so, what was the game?
0: Yeah, I did. Another another great weekend of Premier League football. Um, um, some some really good performances. Some, um, some results that everyone expected, some results that everyone didn't expect. And um, you very, very rarely look at the table before probably 10 games normally. Mm. But... I think because it's just such a it's such a peculiar table, I think it's it's hard not to. You know, you would have said after six games that it was Everton that would be on top. Um, but only six points down was fifteenth place and that was Manchester United. I would have thought, wow, that, that's a big shout, but that's how it is right now at the moment. So um it's, it really leaves it uh a dangling if you like in, in and as interesting as, as as we've seen it for quite some time.
1: Absolutely. And last time we had you on it was all about Aston Villa, uh, and they had a rather disappointing uh, loss of the season. Although you'd have to say they didn't necessarily play badly; they probably just played badly in key moments, and the scoreline didn't really reflect yeah. the game. What were your thoughts
0: on that? Oh, yes and no. I, I think they I think he also outsmarted them a little bit in terms of how he excuse me, that's my little boy. Uh, in terms <laughs> of the way good. that he in terms of the way that he approached the game it was a little bit different to what he normally does in the way that he normally plays his four one four one. So I, I thought that um, they, they played it very, very well. In the end, I thought Leeds overwhelmed Aston Villa a little bit, um, and were deserved winners. Never mind, mm. but that's, it's still, like I said, it's been a fantastic start and um, and one that Village can be very, very proud of.
2: Yeah, and of course, a fantastic display from Patrick Bamford. Obviously, got the hat trick in that game. Yep. What a few goals they were! I think uh, he's proving his class in the Premier League. Yep. Hopefully, he just doesn't do a, a pookie. Like we like we saw last season, where he only scores in the first six rounds and then, then goes missing for the rest yeah. of the season.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't think that he will. I, I think that he's playing for a little bit of a better side than uh, than than Pookie was. And uh, in terms of being in form, you know, he's as much as informed as any other English striker right this moment in time. It wouldn't surprise me if Gareth Southgate um, eventually looks to include him in the squad if he continues his form.
1: Yeah, I think it's Gareth Southgate, probably one of the most difficult jobs in world football at the moment with the amount of quality of young English players Mm. coming through. And of course, you've got the likes of Danny Ings, who's found form the last 12 months that we'd never seen before. So he's got quite the selection dilemma on his hands, but of course, probably a good problem to have. We spoke about last week how there were plenty of questions for you and we've never
0: let's get into Had it.
1: this many come through. Yes. Yeah. I'm very right, excited. And, and keeping in mind, like it's not that many, but for our standards, it's a lot. So <laughs> oh,
0: no a question. Okay. And that's why I said, let's do part two, because everyone who writes a question in deserves an answer and they mm-hmm. can write whatever question they want. And as long as they know that I can answer whatever I want. So there you go, let's get it. Let's get started.
1: Too easy. Let's do it. All right. Woody, do you want to hit up the first one?
2: Sure thing, mate. And uh, Boz, like we said, we're going to theme them because we sort of had to cut out a few ones that just overlapped. But we'll get into, um, get into the first theme, which is your personal, uh, you know, goalkeeper experience and that sort of yeah. chat along those lines. So, at uh, Philim uh, Ray PT, Phil Imray says, Boz, what do you consider to be your best save for Villa, not including penalties? And what is your favourite ever goalkeeper kit that you've worn?
0: Oh, uh, well, let's do the, the latter one first. In terms of favourite ever goalkeeper kit, um, I, I liked all the goalkeeper kits I wore. If I had to choose one, maybe the first one, the one that we won the 1994 League Cup in, um, the sort of black and had sort of like, it looked like... Um, I don't know a little bit of a rainbow on, on the on the on the mm-hmm. park. So so maybe that one. In terms of best ever save, that, that's, that's a it's a very it's actually a more difficult question than it sounds because um, you think to yourself what was the most important as well. There was one in that game at Wembley off Mark Hughes that was, and that was a really good save. I anticipated it and and it, and it was at a really good height for me. Um, but in terms of probably athleticism, there was one at Villa Park against Coventry in the FA Cup. They actually beat us 1-0. I think it was the first time that Coventry beat us for quite some time. We had quite a few players out, but um, there was one in the first half. Uh, I don't know who, who struck it in the end, but I saw it the other day on Twitter. Somebody put it up. And the late Hugo Echihol, bless his soul, he stuck his foot out. So I dived originally for the shot. And then basically mid-air, it hit his foot and I had to twist my body mid-air and hit it with my foot right in front of the... Um, the whole 10 so probably I would say that one but most probably throughout the uh the afternoon as we're answering questions other ones will, will come to mind so um yeah. but just, just thinking <laughs> to myself I would say that one there were some good ones as well there was one again in that same season against Sunderland I think that was the fourth round league cup tie, um um a header um and I think I don't know who headed up might have been Phil Gray um right up it was in the top corner on my right hand side. That that was an excellent one as well. Um, in terms of from a technique point of view and and from from an athleticism point of view, that was excellent as well.
1: It certainly sounds like you've gone through the Coventry save quite a few times. You know exactly how to tell the story. So now there was one against um, Arsenal. Uh, it was after you saved a penalty off Ian Wright, I believe, and then it sort of yeah. went out for a throw-in and then instantly came back in and you made another... I think it may be a double save. So that was...
0: That yeah, was I did when, I the, anyway. when the ball come back in, I made a bit of a hash of the punch. So that's why they like to include that one because I have to talk about the hash <laughs> of the punch, yeah. It was it was okay, but it was, it was one that I would expect to make,
1: yeah? Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, sticking with more technique stuff in terms of goalkeeping, um, at Last Goal Wins Podcast, uh, another podcast mm. around, uh, asks... What is the best way you believe to stop a penalty? Is there a particular technique you, you used?
0: Uh, in terms of penalties, you, you've got to kind of like be one of those uh, long lens cameras. You know, you've got to try to, you know, when you keep your finger on it, it just goes chit chit chit. chit. So you've yep, got to yep. try to hold yourself for as long as possible and to watch very, very closely the non-kicking foot where that's pointing towards and base your judgment upon that. But to always keep in the back of your mind as well, the guy could come up and miss kick it and it still could go in. So you've got to have you've got to have a you know you've got to have luck on your side as well. But to balance that out, and you know, no one expects you to save it. So when you do, it's a wonderful opportunity for the goalkeeper to, to be a hero, so to speak. Um, but I think also there's, there's you know there's nothing worse than saving a penalty and then maybe thirty minutes later, or sometimes during the game, letting a real dolly in, a real easy one as well. But that would be my best advice, just to hold yourself for as long as possible, especially now with, with, with the new rules. You've got to have one foot on the line, as, as we've seen already, um, you know, during the season before, um, before you move. So to hold yourself as long as possible. Um, and, uh, and, and generally, you'll get a feeling from those little things I just said to you, which side is going to go, then go. Just go for it, yeah?
2: Mm. Cool. I think that's probably a good point to, to sort of expand on just for a sec, Boz. As a very experienced keeper in yourself, what do you, do you have any tips that you would send out to young keepers around the world that are training to try and be world-class and play for the best clubs yeah. in the world?
0: Yeah, to, to, to work as hard as you possibly can. Um, you know, always retain your belief, but in a way that that's not offensive. Um, and, and to understand as well that there will be times that you do make mistakes, and, and it's how you respond to those mistakes which is very, very important. You know, sort of like that old saying. You know, don't you know, don't let a win go to your head or a loss go to your heart. Um, Because you know, you can have a game where you make a mistake. It's it's over. It's done. You can't take it back. But if you sort of dwell on it too much and you make another one, then it becomes a real issue. Um, So Mm. I think that's really really important. And and to enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself as much as you possibly can.
1: Hundred percent. Well, um, obviously some amazing keepers going around at the moment. Not just in the Premier League, but all around the world uh who in your view is the best keeper in the world at the moment
0: uh right now at this moment in time i think you'd, you'd go hard uh, to go past probably manuel Neuer, um and you know with the success that he's had i think that's always you know important as well um because playing in teams that are successful it, it can be a lot different to play in teams where you're getting you know constant work and no one expects anything from you um but you're making great saves and all that But you might still lose a game because that's that's in my opinion it's a little bit easier because there's, a, there's less pressure on you. Um, although, you know, somebody will turn around and say, yeah, well, you know, tell that to the goalkeeper who just conceded four, but he said he played really, really well. <laughs> um, so, but there's some other ones as well. Al is good from Atletico Madrid. I like the look of Mendy. David De Gea has been superb over, over a number of years, although he's had a bit of a dodgy spell the last 18 months, which is understandable. Um, uh, you know, the, the the list goes on. Um you Know over the preceding years, not now, obviously there was Buffon. Um, uh, and like I said, just like I said to you with the best save, thinking about it, like you know, thinking about it now, more will come to me as, as we as we probably keep talking. Um, you know, uh, the, the Brazilian Alison Becker, um, Edison, both of them, especially Alison, I thought he was, you know, he he and Van Dyke for me were the two signings that really made the difference to Liverpool. Um, he's been absolutely superb as well. Uh, Donarama, um, the young goalkeeper from AC Milan, uh, fantastic. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, Courtois, uh, Real Madrid, um, Ter Stegen from Barcelona. All these are top goalkeepers, although Neto done very well, I thought, on the weekend, even though he played in a losing side when uh, Ter Stegen couldn't play. Um, but uh, but like I said to you, the, the, the list the list goes on. There's quite a few, but if I had to choose one right now, it would be newer. Mm.
2: I, think, I think they're... Majority of the world would actually probably be on your side on yeah. that one. Uh, we'll move on to the next question. This is a really interesting one. I think mm. there's been a few uh, betting markets uh, on this one as well. Uh, from Sahil <laughs> Bandy says, uh, at bandytron underscore 11, have yeah. you considered coaching a football team in the future, Boz?
0: Um, not really. I, I, I must say not really. Um, I, I think, especially being here in Australia, uh, sorry, everyone, that's my little boy Cassius. I've got, I've got the Vegemite. I've got the Vegemite. Um, it's okay. Um, uh, I, I think, you know, especially being here in Australia, I think to myself, you know, it's very important to me to put back and to give the benefit of my experience um, and, and what I've been through um, to people to help. I, I really do like helping people. And sometimes, funny enough, in the past, it's got me in trouble, but it doesn't matter. That's, that's, that's my nature. That's my culture, if you like. Yeah. And I think that I can do that to a, a far wider audience than I can by doing it to 22 players in one squad. If I did that, you would see a different Mark Bosnich because I'd be very, very, you know, I wouldn't be, to be honest, I wouldn't probably be doing this interview. I'd be very bland and I wouldn't give away anything because it would, it would go into competitiveness. Whereas this way, you know, I can sort of call it as I see it. Um, I can give the benefit of my experience. i am been very, very fortunate to play under some fantastic managers, played with world-class players uh, in, a, in a world-class competition. Um, so I think that it's better for that, that the audience has the opportunity to hear those stories and, and and sort of, and also to hear somebody who who's spent, you know, over half his life in the UK. So he's got no bias or loyalties over here in terms of, you know, when you go on TV and, you know, sort of, you know, start sort of not cheerleading for a team, but like know to be too biased. I can, I can sort of really take a step back, and yeah. and that for me, um, for me is the best way to help, um, and to uh, to help the Australian football community as best I possibly can. There might be a lot of people going, "Oh, well, I don't need your help." That's that's no problem, but I can just give you the benefit of little tidbits and little bits of experience that I picked up along the way. That was so important to me that I had those, you know, had an audience that I could go to, you know, like for Aston Villa, I could go and speak to someone like Ray Houghton who played that great, great Liverpool side. And just listening to them, um, you know, about Liverpool and the way they did it back then was, it was an absolute education. Um, mm. You know, I had Brian Robson when I was a young kid, a- absolute education. Well, I mean, I've got a whole list of those things of what they told me and they really did stick. Um, and, and so many of those things, like I said, and so many of those experience over 20 years uh, is invaluable really.
1: Have you ever been approached? by anyone to even the most no. minor coaching role professionally?
0: No. no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. I think, um, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Remember the North Queensland guy from, from from the Czech Republic? I think it was, his name will come to me. Um, but he had a spell at North Queensland before North Queensland left the competition. And he was suspended from the bench for, for, for one game. And he asked that I would come down on the bench <laughs> um, and, and take care of the side for that one game, which I thought was a real compliment. I, I, I think it was Hans Straker or something like that. I think it, that's what his name oh, was. Yes, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and Fox were okay with it, but um, I think some of the other coaches thought it was a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I can understand that it, it was probably maybe sort of pushing it a little bit too far in terms of like you know in terms of the competition. So no problem whatsoever. Mm. But um, I suppose that's the closest that I ever come to it.
2: Surely sure. if young Cassius pulls on a jersey one day, you'll be the, the dad that steps up and, and pulls on the... Well,
0: if if he does from a goalkeeping perspective, yes. And obviously I picked up a lot from players in that as well. But I will probably, you know, because he probably listens to other people more than he listens to me. So I'll probably go... <laughs> I'm about to call in the next couple of days uh, somebody who saw him kicking around the park the other day so we can do one day a week with, with, with that person. I'll go down and I'll watch and I'll try to stay out as much as I possibly can because... Hopefully he'll be an outfield player. There's less pressure. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All righty. I think uh,
1: we're going to move on a little bit into some more vague Premier League talk, more modern Premier League as well. Yeah. Um. Dan at Dan Tree Twenty One, regular contributor okay. to this podcast. Yeah. Um. What does uh, United do with their stacked goalkeeper problem at the moment? Uh, Dave is still outstanding. But also Henderson clearly has, clearly is the future.
0: Yeah, he, he is, and I and I think that Oli Solskjaer has done exactly the right thing. Um, Henderson, as we know, not only future, but he's been outstanding. Uh, he was outstanding last season at Sheffield United. Um, but David De Gea of this season, in my opinion, like I said, he okay. The, you know, the, there have been a few times when it's been a little bit shaky, um, but I think overall he's done a very good job. Um, you know, he was excellent last week against PSG in the Champions League. Uh, and I think that this will bring the best out of him having competition because as, when you think back and in terms of what I just said to you before about experience, this is one thing that I say a lot of people. When you're playing, um, it, it's, it's like everyone likes to be comfortable. You don't like somebody breathing down your neck, but when you finish, you realise that those are the times that you did play the best and, uh, and it is good to have somebody breathing down your neck because it pushes you every day and goalkeepers need that, especially somebody as good as David De Gea. So right this moment in time, I think ollie has got it right. They've obviously come to an agreement beforehand or uh, Henson wouldn't have signed. So he's he's obviously happy that to, to sort of to, to sit and wait. There's a lot of football to be played. Um, so um, I think that they're doing the right thing right this moment in time.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, where was the next one? Sticking with the Manchester United sort of vein here, uh, at victor.brown underscore regular contributor as well. Boz, what do you think of the current state of Manchester United and what is their flaw?
0: Well, uh, what, first of all, the current state of Manchester United, it, it's very, very difficult and I can understand the frustration of the fans and anyone who watched. The, who would have seen the weekend's game with Chelsea would have seen Patrice Evra and Jimmy Ford Hasselbank go at it. And I can understand where Patrice Evra was coming from um, because Patrice Evra, like myself, played at a time where Man United feared nobody and it was the other way around and you know, you could go on the front foot and he was having a bit of a go at them and Chelsea um, for having that fear and all that. But the bottom line is, this is not the Manchester United of back then or, or when I was playing. It's completely different. They're in transition. Um, and a lot of people will turn around when they hear that and say, well, they have been for, you know, for what is it, seven, eight years now, for the best part of the last decade. Um, but in terms of Oli, Oli's only been there, what just, just I think, just under two years. Mm. Um, and they truly are in transition, a lot of good young players. And, uh, and it's going to take time. I just, you know, I take you back to the Liverpool. I mean, they dominated for over 20 years, um, you know, from, from you say, 70s to the 80s. And then it took them, what, 30 years to win a title again. And how many mm. times during that time people go, oh, this could be it, this could be it. it takes a long time to build a great culture at a club. Uh, a lot of people will say as well, it was there. Yeah, it was there, but that was quite some time ago now. Um, so what, that was like seven, or eight years ago. So Oli will bring it back. There's no doubt about that. Um, and in terms of flaws, look, if you're talking about uh, flaws uh, from the footballing side, I mean, you know, you, you could stay here if you want to be nitpicky all day at this moment in time. I think the most important thing for them, and I think that's what they're, they're, they're trying to do, is to work out what is their best 11, what combinations work out the best, who plays well with whom. And a lot of times it might be a surprise to people. I mean, we've seen, obviously, that the lack of use of, of Van der Beek um, which tells a story in itself. But then, you know, we see Fred and McTominay coming in. They're probably less fancied of the two midfielders that they've got and do very, very well. So it's about finding the balance and finding the right combinations. Um, and, and like I said to you, it will take time. There's no doubt about that. Now, there's a lot of things that fans are, and that we all can say. We can say this, we can say that. And that's all well and good. But you've got to try to just try to close your eyes and put yourself in Ollie's chair. And to know that, you know, you know, two defeats... All of a sudden, he's got he's under pressure for his job. So, and also you've got to juggle with the fact that only had a short preseason, the amount of games that are coming, uh, and you know, in the past there there was always competitors, there's no doubt about that. But I don't think at the volume that we've had, you know, recently, you know, there was never a Manchester City. There was always like there was Arsenal for a time. There was Newcastle. There was Blackburn. Um, you know, then Chelsea came along. Um, but you've got to say, since Man City's cat Liverpool, have always been there and thereabouts. There's, you know, there's Liverpool, there's Man City, there's Chelsea, um, you know, the Spurs who, who have really come on leaps and bounds in the last 10 years. Um, and, uh, and in terms of Europe, it's always been difficult. We, we know that. And also, the, you know, the intensity and the standard of all the other teams, in my opinion, has risen. And that's what makes the Premier League one of the most watchable leagues in the world because of that. Um, there's a lot of foreign coaches that have come in who are excellent in their own right and, and who like to play football in the right way. Whereas in the past, it, it, you know, it was there was probably certain times and certain games where you sort of thought, well, we can rest quite a few and we and we should be able to get three points. You know, these days not so much. But also, like I said, just remember the level of the teams that they had in that era, and I believe that these these boys, couple of couple of additions, they have the potential to get to that level. I really do believe that. And I, and I believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the man to go forward. And I am biased of that because the next teammate of mine, I know what a good man he is, what a great player he was as well. Um, but uh, it, it's going to take time. How long? Well, that's a $64 million question.
2: Mm. Mm. Uh, could, Boz, couldn't agree more. And you're speaking to two diehard Manchester United fans. So it's like mm. preaching to the choir, uh, as, yeah. I can, as I'm can, as i sure you can imagine. But
0: Very difficult Brian. these days. It's, it's very difficult these days, Nick, because you, you're asking fans to be patient. They're like, well, okay. Well then, drop your ticket prices, or you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. So it's very, it's very, very difficult. There's, there's no doubt about that. But like I said, we saw it, we saw it up the road at Liverpool for all those years. The amount of times used to hear, "Oh, this is going to be Liverpool. This is going to be Liverpool's year," and they came close on quite a few occasions. Mm. You know, um, you know the, the, you know, with Brendan Rodgers, and you know, that was they were like, you know, what, really two games away from it. Rafa Benitez. Yeah. Uh, even under Hulia and, and and even before that with Roy Evans and had some really great sides but they didn't quite get there but this time that they did and how long did it take? How long did it take Jurgen Klopp even when he first came? Oh, you know? And now you've kids. seen the results. Well, there you go yeah. but you've seen the results and also you can pick up the World Club Championship the, the, the Champions League um, so you're going to have to bide your time because you know what are you going to do? Just keep sacking the manager and getting a new one? The whole thing's mm-hmm. going to start again because so a new manager will come in and say right, regardless of the players, new manager, especially at a big club, they have a choice of pretty much whoever they want. And they're going to want to change things. They're going to want to bring in their men, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And then that and that again will set it back. And then it takes time again. Just stick through it. And I'll always remind, always remind everybody. And I was there, as I like, know, about Sir Alex Ferguson and the, the faith that Martin Edwards and his board had in him. And look what happened. It's very yeah, true. for sure. And I think... Uh, j-
2: Just moving on, this guy, Victor Brown, we've had a few debates with him. He's a massive Tottenham fan, Boz. Um, So I think he'd really appreciate this question that I'm about to ask on his behalf. Um, Looking at the Tottenham side that's currently being fielded in the Premier League, traditionally Jose Mourinho's teams have been built from the back forwards, whereas it feels like this Tottenham team is being built from the front back almost, which could symbolise maybe a different Mourinho era, a different Mourinho mindset. Do you think their defence or their defensive midfield stocks built to win the
0: Premier League? Uh, At this moment in time, no, not for this season, but a very, very good question. And you're right. But you you know, this, you know, Mourinho is a top, top coach. He's in that top echelon. Okay. I mean, you know, you don't win two European Champions Leagues uh, and various other trophies um, without that type of pedigree. He's the the, the very, very top uh, of his trade. And knowing that, and, and knowing that the ones that, the, you know, well, generally coaches in general, but generally in terms of the Mourinho, he'll recognize who his best players are. And in, in my opinion, his best players are the two the two that play up front in, in Son and Harry Kane. As I so, saw, we saw again this week. We saw it against Burnley. Um, and, you know, in terms of the stocks and defensive midfields and all that, they'll get that right. But if you still look at another example as well, um, he's still working, in my opinion, from from back to front in, the, in a certain type of way. And I'll give you an example. Southampton, there I remember that game now. has and Hoogle's side were absolutely fantastic in that first half. And I remember Son got an equaliser right before halftime. I remember tweeting out, you know, Southampton won, Son won. Southampton were all over it. Mourinho made a yeah. few tweets, realised that they were keeping a high line, told those defence, the defence, you know, listen, let's, let's, not, let's not go one out Uh, in everywhere and start closing down. He he closed down the midfield. They were getting outnumbered in midfield. They dropped back and they destroyed them on the break. And that was a pure Mourinho side, even with the likes of Gareth Bale coming in. It's all set so they can draw teams upon them and they can play space in behind. Very, very rarely coaches, um, and I had this conversation with the great uh, Dragon Stojkovic, Pixie, um, who coached in Japan for so long, was very, very close to Arsene Wenger. was a magnificent player for the former Yugoslavia. Very, very rarely, very rarely, you know, coaches, like you know, he said it to me as well, Mark, you have your philosophy and that's it. That is your philosophy. Your tactics may change depending on what mm-hmm. type of players that you have. So you might have, you know, you might have certain. You might have Xavi and Nesta. So the tactics are we are going to play a little bit further forward. We're going to keep possession and we're going to try to be on the front foot. Um, but the, still the philosophy of what type of manager you are, whether it be a manager uh, who you know? Who prides himself on keeping the clean sheets and being very, very, uh, uh, you could say, diligent defensively and hitting teams on the break, uh, whether you're, you're somebody who, who likes to always play into the pockets or likes to keep possession and all that. Ange Postacoglu, another example. He ain't, they, they don't change their philosophy pretty much for anyone. And that, for me, would be Mourinho as well. And, uh, and, and that has given him success in the past. It's given him success now, and we'll give him success in the future. And he knows that. And I, and I think that they're shaping themselves up to, to be a team that, that will be a challenger. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be this season, but I definitely think they'll be challenging for the top four. There's no doubt about that. And perhaps a cup, uh, whether it be Europa or, or League Cup or FA Cup. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, not an easy team to play against. But just to give a, a, the last example before we move on to the general ask the question, a great question. The game against West Ham, we played some wonderful football, right? Absolutely wonderful. But what happened? 3-3. Three, three.
1: So I somebody whose
0: philosophy is a little bit more towards the other side, all of a sudden they go to Burnley. That wasn't the best of games, the Burnley game. Tottenham's football in comparison to West Ham in terms of free-flowing football was, was like, you know, Burnley was zero, uh, West Ham was 10. But they got three points. And you saw how important it was to all of It, it was so important, especially... After losing that game, uh, sorry, after drawing that game, which felt like a loss, uh, when Lanzini hit that uh, that wonderful equaliser, um, you know, a couple of weeks what ago.
1: What a goal! Yeah.
0: Um, Boz,
1: this is sort of sticking with the same theme. In fact, you might have already answered it. To be honest, um, mm. but at Evan Vassos, uh, he wants to know what are your thoughts on the current tactical nature of the Premier League? We mm. see Lampard keeps tweaking the personnel week to week, whilst Palace mm. and Newcastle are sort of sitting with a four four two each week. Lots of different approaches. What are your thoughts?
0: Oh, I absolutely love it. Great question. Um, and I was thinking about that the other day, I think it's a wonderful balance and, and you're talking about, when you're talking about, you know, the most watched sporting competition in the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, you probably like to think to yourself, oh, you know, maybe all the, the chairman get together and I say, right, well, you hire him and we'll hire him and this will make for a lot. It doesn't happen like that because <laughs> chairman, regardless of as a chairman of, of one of the, say smaller clubs. You know, if somebody from one of the big clubs told him, why don't you hire someone? They might sort of just be polite and go, well, we'll think about it. But deep down, I'd be thinking, you to tell me who to (laughs) hire. But I think it's an absolutely fantastic mix. Um, And, you know, the question has been asked about the amount of goals that's been scored. And one of those reasons is because of the type of football that they're playing. It is a lot of teams are playing a much higher risk type of football, you know, playing out from the back. Um, sometimes when they're completely outnumbered uh, as well or at least have the same amount of men. And sometimes you think this is suicidal, but it does make <laughs> for, for bigger score lines and more entertaining football. There's no doubt about that. But I think that the flexibility of a lot of the managers and, and their knowledge and, and that it's just gone up, it's gone up for me fivefold mm. um, and and long may it continue because it's really interesting to watch. You know, like I said to you before, different teams, have different managers, and a lot of them different nationalities and different ideas about football. And it's fascinating for, to watch for me. Um, you know, really, really enjoy it. And and like I said to you, long may it continue. It, it makes it, and then you realise why that coupled with fantastic players, you know, all, all across the board. And stars that emerge from, you know, from other teams that you think, wow, you know, who's this? And start looking that person up and all that uh, has, has made it for the, for the fascinating league that it truly is. I'll, just
1: to follow on to that question, Boz, I'm going to ask you to rank three teams who I think tactically are uh, very, very, very impressive, but might not have the personnel of the big, big clubs. Wolves, Leicester and Leeds. Right. Three teams that are top 10, you'd think, so far this season. Yeah. Who tactically
0: is the strongest? Well, I, I've got to say, I mean, you, you talk about Leicester. I mean, Leicester really, Leicester really should have made the top four last season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not only a, a, a team... That's good tactically, but they've done it. You know, a lot of that team was still were there. You know, during the, the, that an amazing Premiership win, so they've done it. Um, and you know, they beat Man City a couple of weeks ago. Last week, they beat Arsenal. Brendan Rodgers is a very, very astute manager. You um, know, gets his teams playing very good football, but he's also a very pragmatic manager. Um, Wolves um, have been an absolute revelation. There's no doubt about that. Um it's just that you know, you can, the can the you know other clubs are now picking their best players. Look, the Jota's gone. Um, you know, there's, there's talk of their, their his name eludes me right now, their centre back going as well. Um so they they just gotta be careful with that. And your third team was Everton, was it? Uh no, um Leeds. Leeds, Leeds have been Leeds have been a Leeds have been a revelation since day one of that uh, with that <laughs> with, with that amazing game against Liverpool. Uh, uh, yeah. They've been absolutely phenomenal, and um, you know it would be so good for to see them come automatically up because you know people always, and they see the teams coming up from the champs, you go, oh, you know maybe they go straight. It'd be so good for them to to get into the top four or something like that, or to win something. Um, um, because in terms of tactical astuteness, you're talking some of the best managers in the world. Like, well, let's talk about Pep Guardiola, argue the best manager in the world. You know, he describes Bielsa as, as his mentor, straight godfather when he was younger. So that tells a story in itself. Um, but they're uh, for me at this moment in time, they're my second team. I always look after them <laughs> to see where they're playing. I'm just so interested to see what they're going to do, how they're going to play. <laughs> Um, and uh, and like I said, but out the three, I, I think the most capable after for me after six games, and obviously he's going off the back of last season, which only seems yesterday. The most capable out of those three are, are for me are Leicester still. There's no doubt about that. Ooh, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, I couldn't see Leicester. I mean, oh, that was a wonderful free kick to be fair against Wolves, um, but you know there was no shot on goal, so that they did really well. Um, like I said, Leeds. I think everybody's waiting for Leeds to sort of have a bit of a maybe blowout, but. Um, a lot of Bielsa teams in the past, whether it be in Spain or in France or, or other places, have tend to run out of gas with about a couple months left of the season. Um, but it remains to be seen. He has got more buying power here than he's than he's had at other places. And, and if you rotate his squad smartly, then he can continue this through. But like it's about all of him, Aston Villa, Everton—that's and that's why it's been so fantastic. Like I said to you, if you looked at the table, if I said to you at the start of the season this was going to be the table after six games, I think yeah, I'm sure you would have went. No, I don't think so. Kidding now,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably a perfect segue into the next question,
2: actually. And you almost answered this in your answer just then. And, and <sighs> we'll keep this one pretty short. Um, at robert.wood underscore Robert. said, 44 has said to us, who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise package come the end of the season? You've sort of been asked to look There's into so many, I know. Video.
0: But I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to start, I'm going to stick with what I said to start the season, Everton. Yeah, uh, you know, magnificent manager, um, no doubt about that. Um, most successful manager, you have to say, in terms of Champions League victories in the modern era, um, and the, a team that's playing really good football, and uh, and some you know some fantastic players. I know they lost to Southampton on the weekend, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they react from that. Um, but um, I really think them. I really think they they are they are the team to watch. Um, we know about Rodriguez, but like Allen. Decoré uh, even though he got sent off on the weekend Digna. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly um, you know <laughs> we've spoken about yeah we've spoken about uh, uh, Calvert-Lewin uh, Richarlson just an excellent side it's just now like we said with a lot of teams same up. with Aston Villa it's going to be very interesting to see now when they lose how they react to that so, so that's going to be <laughs> the thing but I, I'm going to stick with Everton I said I picked them at the start of the season for that as well
1: Well, Boz, on this show, we, we talk about the Premier League all the time, but we yeah. always feel we have a sense of responsibility to touch on the A-League because it's in our own backyard. Of course. And Woody, yeah. Woody and I are, are, are big fans of it um, when we get the chance and you know, we keep up to date with it for sure. So we do get a lot of questions about it as well. And so, um, at Tez Paps asks, mm-hmm. why is it so hard to set up promotion and relegation in Australia?
0: Well, I think originally, uh, Pat, I think originally, originally, I think it was done sort of under a, a licensing system. This is, this is what, my, what, what I understand. The, there may be somebody yep. that watches this who was involved originally and said, well, no, you're wrong, Boz, and please uh, text or write in uh, or tweet <laughs> in to you guys. <laughs> but so there was a licensing system where basically you, you bought a license for your franchise. Um, I don't like using that word, but that's, that's how it kind of was. And uh, you couldn't get relegated simple as that there was no scope yeah. for it. There was no, you know, there was no like, yeah. You know, um, you know, even though obviously under, you know, AFC was in, you know, encouraging it and FIFA and so forth. But, um, I think that was the way that they went and they had early success with the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, but as we all know, it, it's, it, it became stale. Mm. There's no doubt about that. And that's, that, that's one of the reasons. I don't think that's the main reason. It was definitely one of the reasons. And, uh, as the years go, go by, as, I keep, as I've been saying for the last five years, that's why I've been screaming for it for so long. The more you leave it, the less chance it's going to work when you bring it in anyway. So, you know, like, yeah. for example, if Rugby League or AFL all of a sudden turn around and said, we're going to have promotion relegation now, it would take, I would say, at least five years, between five and ten years for the teams getting up to not get beat by, I don't know, an AFL 100 points or... In rugby league, by like fifty points, you know. So, and a lot of these clubs, you know, because it's been hard for them uh, in in the NPLs, uh, are part time. Yeah. And so you can't expect part time players and part time clubs to to compete. That's why, hence, what I think it comes in. I think the first three years there should be a playoff between yep. the winners of the NPL and and the team who finishes last, maybe in the A League, just so you can bring nice can bring that um, So I think, um, like I said to you, for me that the, the, those are the main reasons from from a say you just say from a legal perspective there wasn't that scope there was no there was no scope it was never meant to be like that um, but now um, you know with James Johnson um, and with the clubs getting full control of the league they know how important it is to them obviously they want to protect their own interests There's no doubt about that but they realize how important it is in the long term um, and and also And I think people in football in general, the vast majority of people in football just want football to to reach its full potential. Whatever that may be, no one knows. But to do that, you have to do certain things. In my opinion, one of those things is to have promotion and relegation. Um, And a lot of people may turn around and say, well, you know, say they might turn around and say, well, if Central Coast go down, they might not come back up. Well, so far as I'm concerned, then then so be it. Like, you know, what, what can you do? Yeah. Um, it actually might. It actually might give teams some of the teams, maybe like Central Coast. I'm using them as an example. Everyone, if you're a Central Coast supporter, don't get the ump because I love Central Coast. <laughs> I went there when I came back to Australia and played some games. in a fantastic area for lovely people, but they finished last the four of the five last five seasons. So it, during that time, it may have give them an opportunity just to regroup a little bit. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they might say, okay, we're just going to regroup, get ourselves back together, then we're going to make a real, real push for it. I don't think, like I said to you it's obviously not going to happen overnight. There's no doubt about yeah. that and and uh the, I, I think the most important thing is for everyone to understand, especially in the lower clubs, is that there are people really, really top people and good people who are who are rooting for this, who are, who are on your side basically who, who yeah. are doing everything that they possibly can to make sure that that this is a winner. So there you go.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think, Boz, you touched on James Johnson, obviously coming in um, to the A-League as FFA CEO. And I think he has been a breath of fresh air for the league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a,
0: that's a good way to put it. That's a yeah, way brings put
2: it brings in new, almost a new and progressive way, age of thinking. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that were in the top positions have been there yeah. since the start of the A League and its commencement. I think having James come in just shows the type of ambition that we actually need in Australia yeah. to
0: grow the game. And I think well, it's an, it's an, ev- it's an evolution. A lot of people have got to be patient as 100%. well. You know, it's an evolution. So you know, at that time when it first started. Um, you know, those CEOs and especially coming from other sports, I didn't see there was no problem with that. But eventually you have to go back to, you know, to, to basically, you know, what is best in terms of what is best means in somebody that knows the game inside out. And James has been a player. He's, you know, he's played for the Young Socceroos. He's, he's worked for the Citigroup. He's worked for the AFC. He's worked for FIFA. Um, he knows football inside out. And, um, you know, it was a magnificent appointment. And, and look already at the results that he's achieved. I mean, the, the major one, um, you, know, you know, the amount of clout that, that, he, that he pulled in to make sure that we got the 2023 Women's World Cup. Of course. Um, so, um, and the list goes on, really. We haven't got time to talk about it right now. But mm. um, we're so, so lucky to, to have someone like that. Um, and, uh, and like I said, people need to be patient, just like I was talking about with Oligan before. Uh, and everything slowly but surely will work out. For sure.
2: And just a, another follow-up question from Terry Papamaku. He's a, he's, a, he's a shark on the socials. This guy doesn't leave us alone. Yep. Absolute pest. Um, his question <laughs> is, uh, what is the scouting process behind A-League clubs? Obviously, you've been in the system, and can you just elaborate on yep. how that sort of goes?
0: Well, it's a very good question, Terry. But you're, talk, you're talking about, this, you said scouting process, didn't you? Yes, scouting process. Yeah. yeah. Well, so far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it uniformed um a lot of lot of lot of clubs have got a completely different way of doing things um a lot of it comes down to resources as well um but that's another thing that i used to you know hopefully it's going to come in very very soon you know people used to have like a, a director of football what's use to having that when you haven't got a transfer system you know yeah. so in terms of resource i'm saying about actually having scouts but a lot of it is from word of mouth from people um who trust other people who, who watch games you know who go watch games continually um and you know, somebody will turn around and go, you know, like they might go to say, Steve Corrigan, so I went to an NPL game, you, you might want to come and take a look at this lad. Yeah. And I'll go and take a look at the lad, but again, it's very, very difficult for them because a lot of times they're playing in different season in different conditions and they're part time, so a lot of it's word of mouth, and uh, a lot of it as well is. And this is another thing I think I'd like to stop, um, because there's too much of this, you know, it's kind of like a cart, like a little, like a merry go round, yeah. you know. A lot of it's from other A-league clubs. And I think, oh, well, the player's coming off contract. Oh, we'll, we'll grab him. But uh, it's like...
1: It's, grinds it's, like you know,
0: it's kind of like, yeah, you get the shirt of somebody. I know a young kid who got a shirt of a player at a particular club and he found out two days later he's leaving. It, it's soul-destroying. Yeah. And that's why I think in terms of the salary cap, and a lot of people keep going on about the salary cap, oh, if we take it away. It, it's If you didn't have a salary cap, it would lead to longer-term contracts because people would want to sign, especially younger players, for longer terms because they won't yeah. want to lose him for free. Simple yeah. as that. And, you know, and people going about salary caps and this, that, and the other. If you've got financial discipline, you know, what's use having a chief financial officer anyway, if you've got a salary cap, me and you could do it. And you, damn. there's no problem. That's all right, you've got three. Yeah. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do it, Boz. Let's up. do it. <laughs> and you adjust your budget accordingly. And as I said to somebody very high up, About two two months ago, he was saying, Oh, no, Bosnia. I went, Listen, I go, What's Sydney done in the last four years, five years? They won three grand finals, right? Central Coast, four out of five. You know, in a salary cap competition, that shouldn't happen. So it's making no difference anyway. You know, and was going, Oh, Melbourne City will go. Melbourne City won't go and do that. They could do, but they won't. There's no way they will because they'll understand it will just be to the detriment of the whole league. So why would they Mm. want to go and you know, go and spend 40, 50 minutes. They won't do that. It's not, it's, you know. So just drop it. Trust each other, uh, and and just let it be what it is. It's not yeah. a problem. I said to you this last week. There's two hundred eleven leagues around the world. Only four of those leagues, you have to say, well, maybe four and a half, if you want to say League in France, the first of it no, the Premier League in France. So let's say let's say five. We'll, we'll include we'll include that. But they still sell a lot <laughs> of their best players, right? Yeah. Uh Leagues that everybody aspires to go to. The other 206 are leagues at varying levels that develop players and sell their best players. Oh, it's no problem. No shame yeah, whatsoever. That's the way it is. You know? Get your best players going to play to, to, the, uh, to the best leagues possible. Try to make your league the best league possible that you can possibly make it. No problem whatsoever. And then get your best players every four years uh, for a World Cup and for an Asian Cup. That's it. Simple honestly there's, there's really mm. there's not really rocket science and this is what makes a lot of people I think including myself very frustrated it's there the blueprint's there it's been done in world football for over 100 years um, some people do it different depending on their circumstances okay fair enough you can tweak it but if you want to be different just do what everyone else does better you know don't try yeah. to do something completely trying to reinvent the wheel because as we've seen ultimately it doesn't work
1: Boz, Woody, and I like to ask quirky questions to absolutely every guest we have on, and we actually asked one of the questions to you last week. But to be mm. honest, it didn't quite make the final cut; didn't work with the episodes. We're going to ask it with you again, but at least this time you have an extra week weekend of Premier League to base your answer off. So yeah. we'll start it off with name your prim,
0: current Premier League five-a-side team. Oh, current Premier League five-a-side. Okay, I should have I should have taken more time to to look at all this. Uh, <laughs> Hang on, let's go. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'll I'll go back to match those six. James has got you working
2: overtime, boss. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: All right, right now, after the weekend, I'll go... I'll go Mendy in goal.
1: Oofed. Oofed, yep.
0: Eduardo Mendy, because he made some fantastic saves. I will go for De Bruyne he play. He, well, he well, He's his back fit. Put it that way. Yeah, he's back. Yep. Simply, yeah, He came on against West Ham. Um. So it, 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 he's he's back fit. Okay. I will go for Son. I will go for Cal Lewin. And uh, how many you have f- I got? One more.
2: Got one more. One more.
0: And I will go for. Bamford. There you go. After last week. There you nice. go. Nice. That's beautiful. Very, Very attacking, guys. Nice. Very attacking. I reckon that's my favourite well, had sign, to be It's right? anyway, yeah, not, a, go, not know, a Mourinho lineup,
2: that's yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's after last week. You should actually ring me up and ask me that every week. Yeah. If you said just if you said just generally, it would be completely different because i you know, I'm I'm there looking, I'm thinking, yeah, Mo Salah. you know, he's just out of this out of this planet, you know what I mean? So he'd always be yeah. in it. no doubt about that, yeah. But right, that's right from last week's games. Yeah, that's not including the Champions League games. That's yep. from last weekend's. That's from Match Day Six. Yeah.
1: No, well, I like Boz, it. This, every this, every this, guest has a different take. So, I'm, Boz, I'm this could be a new
2: segment. Boz's Team of the Week, presented <laughs> yeah, by the well, Premier League. Pretty league much, so. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. So. Yeah. All right, we'll get on to the next question. Um, if you could have dinner with one current Premier League player, who would it be? Why and where would you go?
0: Uh. I like. I always like my Italian restaurants. So there you go. So that that knocks that one out Done. of the way. Um, let's have a look. I'd probably, I'd probably go. I'd probably go with. I'd probably go with Edison, the goalkeeper from Man City, because I like to talk about um, you know because for a long time Brazilian goalkeepers used to get a bad rap.
2: Yeah. Um, yep. So
0: I'd like, and I also like to talk about Guardiola and what he does because, like I said, i There's very few people that that I've come across. Well, there's a few actually that I keep in contact with who tell me about him, but I'd like to hear it from firsthand and right at this moment in time. It's a good answer, Boz. I like it. I like it very much.
1: Um, Last one. (laughs) Last question over these two parts. Big moment. Who is the most famous person you've got in your phone contacts?
0: Oh, I can't say.
1: Okay. (laughs) All All
0: right. Yeah, or else, or else he'd, he'd tell me to take his number, take not to call him again. <laughs> yeah, and to take to take his number out of my phone contacts. go. Oh, so that has that so there you was, go. We've got some. That's, good answers, the, re- that's the reason why I've got his number because I can be discreet like that. There you go. Perfect,
1: yeah. cool. I'll tell you
0: what. I think so. After that, all your phone hackers are going to try to hack my phone now. So <laughs> you do know, yeah, you know everyone knows <laughs> what's happened. Yeah.
2: That has to be the and that biggest. And
0: watch this, you know what's happened, yeah.
2: That's the biggest yep. mark job I think we've <laughs> ever had on this segment. That's Boz has just come in and, and swung the axe and go, boys, too, I'm too good nah. for you. I'm too good for you. I think with that being said, Boz, it probably brings our uh, part two of our two part Mark Boz's special to an end. We cannot thank you enough. I think the reception that we got on the first episode was nothing like we'd ever seen before. And it seems, oh, well, like, seems like the audience are just absolutely lapping you up at the moment and, and
0: <laughs> love, love you on the, on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you to all the audience. Thank you to you, Nick and Damon. And please, um, like I said, keep, you know, every, every couple of months or two or three months, I'd love to come on just to talk about football in general. And maybe we should do or not Maybe we should do one really before the League restarts on December 27th. Um, yeah, absolutely. We can we can then sort of update ourselves on what we said from last, like from this time in terms of what's going on in the Premier League, Champions League, and, and maybe in terms of world football as well with obviously the COVID situation, things may have changed. But it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much, everyone, for those questions. Um, like I said, um, I really, really appreciate that you're taking the time out to write those questions. Take care.
2: Thanks, Bosnich. And just before we go, we're going to get you to say a quick finale like you did last week. Um, and I don't know if you remember it. It was, uh, hi, everyone. This is Mark Bosnich. Thank you for boogying.
1: At it doesn't the need to say University who Club his name is. They've I just don't... listened to an hour of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, don't know, I don't
1: know. Well, after that absolute cock up by the Woodruff, <laughs> we'll give this one another crack. Woody, it's been an unbelievable episode. Unbelievable two episodes, actually, with Mm -hmm. the Boz. He's been an absolute legend. We'll wrap it up. If they want to hit us up on the socials, where can they find us? Guys, you can find us on Insta at Premier League Nightclub. And, Damon, where can you find us on the Twitter? You can find us on Twitter at PLNightclub. Also, just on Facebook. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen. And uh, without further ado, Boz, take us
0: home. Thank you so much. Um, for watching and for listening and for writing all your questions here to Premier League nightclub, and I will see you again very, very soon. Take care.